Man up in my city on the roof, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe The Providence College Friars Top for the crossover The reverse Oh, baby The rush the Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Providence Crier. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, uh, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier. Um... Also read our blog, that's theprovincecrier.com. Join with me is BOC. Follow him on Twitter, at BOC all day. Corley, oh my God, man. Like, PC, Xavier today, early tip. Um, pretty good game. We'll obviously get to it, but the Friars lose yet another game at the buzzer. That makes it two in a row. How we feel? So... Uh, obviously not great. 2021 hasn't started off well for us. Two losses, uh, buzzer beaters. So obviously that's not great. Um, I think everybody, the immediate reaction, uh, especially in our group chat, was uh, that that foul call um, at the last second against – or the travel against Breed. Um, I want to get ahead of that because, one, I think even if it wasn't a travel – it was likely an offensive foul. I know you may disagree. Um, I totally disagree, but go but ahead. anyway, all right, let me, let me, let me. So we were up seven with 73 seconds left, right? So they get the ball, they go down on their side. And what I'm trying to say here is it's not on the rep. That one play didn't determine the outcome of the, of the game. They go down, they get the ball. They kick it out to Nate Johnson. Nate Johnson's a 49% shooter from three. What do you do with those players? You don't let them shoot threes. He makes a three, cuts it to four. He's four of six from three in the game. Like the scouting has to be better for our players. And that falls on the players and also the head coach. Like you can't have that happen. So anyways, down four, then the breed travel. And if it wasn't travel, probably an offensive foul, in my opinion, they get a basket down two. Then we have the ball with like 45 seconds left on the clock. Does, did, did you see David Duke get a touch? Uh, he did early, and then they had that – I don't exactly remember what happened, but they had that play where he got knocked out of bounds. Uh, I think they are trying to feed Nate. Yeah, so – that right? And Scruggs came over, knocked it out. So, yeah, so, so what happens is Jimmy Nichols – you know, you, you have a guy who's probably going to be a lottery pick in David Duke. He doesn't have the ball in his hands, okay? You have probably the most dominant front court player in the Big East, Nate Watson. He doesn't have the ball in his hands. Jimmy Nichols, who has known to uh, not be all the greatest at the end of the game, if you think about the Seton Hall foul against Mamu, he has a ball in his hands. That can't happen. Sure enough, steps on steps on the uh, baseline. Turnover, Friars. 
Xavier has the ball. They make a shot at the end at the other end to win it. So you can so the the reason why I'm going play by play here is yes, you can argue you can argue that call whether it's right or wrong, all well and good. Like that's what a fan will do. They went on an 8-0 run to win the game. We were up seven with 73 seconds left. So you can complain about the refs all you want, but I'm a big believer in accountability. You have to look yourself in the mirror and be like, we lost a game. We were up seven with 73 seconds left. That's that's on the players and coaching staff. So long story short, it's a really tough loss, and it um, overshadows the amazing games by Duke and Watson, which has been a theme all year. Yeah, I mean um... – <laughs> to, to touch upon what you just last said, uh, I believe it's the both games that Duke's gone for 30 or more they've lost. So, um, you know, not ideal. Now, see, here's where I disagree with you, though. So, I like, Providence choked this game, sure. And against Creighton, you could say Providence did not play well during that stretch. They got out of their game plan and let Creighton – you know, build a lead off, um, you know, turnovers and, and all that. And they do that today again against Xavier. That gives them about what they had like a five or seven point lead down the stretch there. Um, that's fine. And then PC blows the game, seven point lead with a minute left. That's inexcusable. I get that. But saying that the officiating is bad uh, and saying, PC blew the game is like they, they don't it's not me like those two things could. can be this true those two things can be true right sure. like um I personally thought first of all travel was the one call that that I would find acceptable because you can't call a charge on a guy Kunkel jumps into breed while reaching in mind you and he gets his arm uh no way can you call that a charge because that's a flop, if anything. The guy's jumping into you, and if he falls down, no, come on. Um, my frustration is like David Duke has attempted two free throws in the last two games combined, and he's been aggressive and he's driven to the hoop, and it just really pisses me off that guys like Zagorowski. Um, and Paul Scruggs get calls, and Duke does not, and he's better than both those guys. Like, come on. It's ridiculous. I, I don't understand it. I, it's just driving me nuts. Like, there's no fucking chance in hell that David Duke, who put up the numbers that he did in the last two games, goes to the line two times. I just don't buy it. I thought the fishing sucked in the Creighton game. I thought it sucked in this game. Xavier was called for nine fouls the entire game. Nine. Well, this the officiating struck a nerve with you, huh? Um, I mean, it sure has. Like, listen, uh, a lot of people are coming out, you know, saying, "Oh, like, of course this guy's called the crier. He's crying about the officials." Yeah, whatever. Uh, like, I'm sorry. Like, the officiating the last two games was terrible. So it, that's not the reason why they lost, but it was terrible. Those two things can still exist together. So End of I, it. Uh, I'll try and be the more rational of the Providence uh, fans here. Um, one, Providence was only called for 13 fouls to the nine, so it wasn't like there was a massive discrepancy. Well, the come on, keep in mind that 
Xavier was intentionally fouling late, if you remember. Oh, okay. To get them to nine. Okay. Um, regardless, it's a five or six foul discrepancy isn't like a huge discrepancy. Um, and you're right. Like those things aren't mutually exclusive. You could say, you say two things. And I think that's a problem with like people taking a side. It's either the refs stink or we blew the game. Like you could, you, there is some gray area there. You could say the refs weren't that great. Um, and we blew the game. Like you can say that that's, that's fine. Um, but anytime you're leaving the game up to a call from the refs, like that's not a position you want to be in. You want to, you want to take the game and, Quite frankly, we had the game in our hands. 73 seconds left, you're up seven. Uh, I keep harping on this, but, like, this kid, Nate Johnson, he's a 50% shooter from three. Guard, face guard him, make him blow by you and make a make a two-pointer. Make him make a contested shot in the paint. That's okay. You can't let them have a three like that with a guy who's known as a shooter. It's just – it's re- it's really frustrating when you know that's the one skill that guy has and you give him six looks from three. Um like, I'll give that to you. I mean, um, Horkler hits that three, and, like, I literally screamed game. And I was, like, cussing out Xavier. I was, like, these guys stink. Uh, they're overrated, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I, when he hit that three, I thought it was game, because it should be game, right? You're up seven with a minute left. And you're right. Um, to, in our text group, uh, it wasn't you or I, but but one of the guys texted, like, just got to get a stop. Like, just don't allow a three here. And what do we do? We instantly give up a three. So um, that's where like, and that's, that's where I get somewhat frustrated. It's like, you know, these coaches are making a lot of money, so it's okay to be critical of them. They, they need to tell these guys like, Hey, listen, we have a, we have a three possession lead. Make them make tough twos. Do not let them make a three. Do not even let them to attempt a three. Don't foul them when they're shooting. Do not let them attempt a three. And, like, going back to the – granted, we won the Seton Hall game, but, like, the one thing you tell Nichols is let him make a basket. If they drive to the lane, let him make a basket. Don't foul him because we still have the lead. And sure enough, we do those things. So, it's like – I know that they're young, they're college kids, but, like, it's on the coaches too. You need to say, hey, these are the things – hammer home. These are the things you do. These are the things you don't do so that they don't have to think out there. They just know it's programmed in them. And it's like – it's just frustrating to see these late game lapses, honestly. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, like, you know, like I commented in uh, your post game article that you wrote, I mean, this is a team that's shown they can close out games. Uh, they have two overtime wins against Seton Hall against uh, DePaul. Um, but obviously, they've shown and they've shown in the past under a goalie that they do know how to fumble a game away. Um, and they certainly did that today, but, um, you know, and then to your point, even in the games that they won, there have been a few head scratching plays um, on there. I mean, unfortunately, you and I, or really anyone that covers the team these days, especially in COVID times, is not really around the team. We don't know what's being told to them, but I see your point. Um, certainly you, you would hope the team is more prepared and, you know, if they are prepared and just aren't executing, that's on them. But yeah, unfortunately we just don't know, but it is certainly frustrating. Uh, I'll give you that. So let's, well, maybe, let's maybe transition to a, a positive note here and let's talk about how, um, you know, even amidst the losses, Duke and Watson continue to be all first team, all first team biggies players with Duke likely the front runner right now for biggies player of the year. He, he, 
I had high expectations for him coming into this year. I thought he was going to potentially win player of the year and win defensive player of the year. It seems like he's even exceeding my expectations. And Watson has been probably, you know, you can look at JRE, but he's probably been the best big man in the Big East. So it's fantastic with what they're doing. And you got to be really proud of their development um, and happy for them. Then the, you know, so you can say those are the great things. The third thing you want to say then is like, who's going to be that third option that steps up? I think everybody is pointing to Reeves and he was certainly more aggressive today and more aggressive than not just shooting more threes. He was attacking the rim. He was dribble driving, which I like to see, but he's not converting. So hopefully, you know, even though he didn't, wasn't a reliable third option today, that aggressiveness carries over. Yeah. Um, first off, yeah. I mean, you and I both had, you know, we told everyone that Duke was a superstar and not a lot of people believed us, which uh, I find pretty crazy, but uh, that was the case. And, but clearly. You, hold on. When you say people didn't believe us, are you talking about somebody who didn't put him on the top 100 college basketball players? List? <laughs> well, yeah, Norlander. Uh, and I kind of feel bad for him because this was a joint piece and it seems like Matt Norlander's taking all the flack for this. Uh <laughs> Probably because he had the Flyers as uh, the Dark Horse NCAA team, uh, Final Four team last year. They end up sucking in February, and he just ghosts them like a bad habit. Like, he acts like it never happens. Uh, so but then dude, when they put out the top 100 list this year, not include Duke, and he's the one receiving the, the brunt of the blame here. Um, but, well, I mean, the- he obviously, he, he helped write it. So, they – they're calling it like an oversight. Yeah, a pretty damn big oversight because Duke is – he's unbelievable, man. Like, I, I – I, people also said I was crazy when I thought he'd be a better – he's a better pro prospect than, than Dunn. I totally believe that. Like, he's making – he's an NBA player on a college basketball court right now. There's just no other way of putting – the step back threes, like deep threes, threes when he's close line, up fakes – Driving the hoop, nice finishes, like, ooh, unstoppable. Yeah, he – uh, Watson, yep. uh, you know, I, I thought this was going to be another – like, they did this in the Creighton game. They just played into Creighton's pace, and we didn't get Watson enough touches, in my opinion. Granted, I, I believe he was like 4 of 11 that game. But still, in this game, I thought it was going to go the same way for a little bit. Not, not that we were – we were playing a fine pace, but – you got to give credit to Xavier a little bit. Uh, I thought Carter um, or Jason Carter is as him. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I thought he did a good job fronting Watson. Um, and, and they did a lot of things to disrupt him, but we weren't getting the ball. I was like, oh, here we go again. But then, of course, they start feeding him late. And that's when the Friars seemed to take control of the game. Um, granted, they had threes in that run as well from, from Duke, uh, Reeves, and Horkler. But, um, yeah, Watson's becoming unstoppable. On top of that, he's rebounding now, which is a great sight. Um, he was all over those rebounds. So there's one one play where he just decked, uh, <laughs> decked Greg Gant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like him, Duke, and Gant going for the ball. And he just plowed through Gant. And, like, Duke went to go check on him. It was actually pretty funny. But uh, great to see Watson there. With Reeves, um, talk about a guy, like, he was aggressive, but his finishes were so bad. It's like, you can tell he, he's just been taking way too many threes because Dude, takes he, were terrible. I There's mean, like that he like had a nice little drive, like little floater and it 
hit the side of the backboard and you like screamed. It's like, oh my god. Well, the, the best is like a couple of the drives. Like, like I said, you want him being aggressive. I love it. So I'm not gonna fault him. But like, I somebody I forget somebody said this, and it was actually a good point. It looks like he's expecting contact, and yeah. it's because he's just not familiar with driving enough. He's been a spot up shooter for the first three years of his career at Providence, and like. He's bricking them off the backboard, which is, you know, stinks. But, like, you like his aggressive nature because I think Cooley has probably said to him and maybe even Nichols because Nichols' offensive game is coming on. He said to those guys, like, hey, we need a third option here. Like, Duke and, Duke and Watson are playing at a for all first-team Big East level. We need somebody who's going to put up on a consistent night anywhere from 10 to 15 points a game. Can one of you guys do that and be aggressive? And it looks like Reeves is trying to do that, and, like, kudos to him. We just need to start seeing some – more consistency and probably a little bit more efficiency in his offensive game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of people were crushing AJ after this game. And to be honest, I mean, he had nine points. He hit three threes. Uh, and like you said, he was trying to be aggressive, which, you know, you can't hate that. Um, me personally, I, I don't necessarily think it's really on. I just think like if Breed gave you nothing, unfortunately, I, I was expecting and that's a tough spot. Like, I, let's not let, – let's be honest here. Putting in a freshman guard that hasn't seen a ton of time into the starting role because Bynum's down, tough spot to be in. But I honestly thought what I saw from him early would lead to a better game for him today. Um, but he gives you nothing. Great game. I thought it was terrible, man. Like, another guy I like too, um, for sure. But, like – He's la- cool. He's labeling him as this great defender, and he just gets lost too many times. He, like, there's no way that Kunkel should be able to get away from him with with that ease that he was able to do. Not that Kunkel had a great game per se, but like some of his buckets were like just laziness on Gant's part, and too much ball watching from him. Like, if someone drives, he thinks he has to come in and get and get a swipe at it, and just leaves his man open. Yeah. And on top of that, his offensive game is, like, very – it's not there yet, clearly. So, like, I look at those guys. I mean, Breed, I give a little pass to because, again, freshmen come in the spot. But I look at Gant eating – I thought his 26 minutes were – he had five assists, but I thought his 26 minutes were, were kind of nothing. Yeah. So, so Gant, your point's valid, like – and it's – we maybe not wouldn't be thinking of Gan as a defensive stopper, but Cooley has mentioned that. So that's you know certainly athletic enough. You listen, you listen to the coach. So anyway, so you're right. Twenty six minutes. He you can't have somebody playing twenty six minutes and only having three points, and then he also had three turnovers. Like yeah. And to it seems like Xavier turned a corner when they started. They ran that pick and roll with. Uh, Gant covering uh, Conkle, and then he was either driving to the hoop right. or on the play that won the game, he kicked it out to a wide-open three. So it seemed like they kind of exploited him a bit defensively, which is so weird to say. But, um, yeah, we – you know, you need more from Gant. You need more from the bench in general. Like, I'm looking at it right now. The bench put up eight points to Xavier's – let me do some quick math here. A ton. To, to, to Xavier's 22. Like that's a difference in a game. Like as great, as great as Duke and Watson are playing, you can't rely on them to score, you know, 45, 40 to 45 plus a game. That's not a recipe for success. And you saw it like there's a lot of parallels to the 
Dunn and Bentil, Bentil team where Bentil went off his sophomore year where like they started off red hot and granted we, we didn't do that this year, but they started off red hot, but towards the big East, they kind of tailed off because the rest of the team was just watching Dunn and Bentil do their thing. And there wasn't really a reliable third, fourth and fifth option. That's kind of what I'm seeing now. And I'm hoping Reeves and Nichols get a little bit more comfortable in the starting lineup and start making some shots. Cause we need that. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it's, if you look at the two box scores, you look at Xavier who has a bunch of guys who contribute um, in the PC side, you really didn't. Um, and honestly, like, I think a team like Xavier would, would love to have a combo of, of Watson and Duke. Um, they have a poor man's version in Fremantle and, and Scruggs, but um, those guys aren't on the level of, of Duke and Watson. And, um, you know, for, for us, it- the fact that we have those two guys means that we can expect less from the other guys. But the other guys still have to do something. <laughs> like, yeah. No, but like honestly speaking, is there a better one-two punch in the Big East than Duke and Watson? No, I mean you could argue uh, Gillespie and uh, Jerry, but th- that's probably yeah. I mean that's probably a lot more to do with you know what they've done in the past than what's going on right now. Um, no, I, I think we de- and that's what makes it so frustrating is because we we've har- harped on this. I think they have a way better supporting cast this year than that Benthol Dunty. And, and the I other- think. I think I think Duke's been better than Dunn was. So like, oh my God! Like that team, that team went and played beat Arizona uh, out west in a pro Arizona crowd. And like, I feel like this team could not do that this year. But so then, uh, like talking talking about the third option real quick, and then we'll move on to uh, I think I guess the uh, Marquette game. Um, the third. So if you're doing a draft of ten players on the court. PC versus whomever Duke and Watson are probably going to be one and two, right? Maybe one and three, maybe one in one and three, maybe yeah, two probably three. one two. Wait, when is, when's the next Providence player picked? That, that's a great question. Cause like it would definitely go, um, Scruggs, like Fremantle, yeah. maybe Carter. Uh, <laughs> and then like then now you can start having an argument of, uh, you know, if you want more Dwayne Odom, Wilcher, Reeves, but those guys collectively are doing better than the collective of PC. So, um, yeah, that's a great point. Um, I, I do want to bring up one more thing though on Xavier. Sure. Um, not that I hate Xavier, but this is the luckiest team in the fucking country. I, I'm sorry. Like I, I actually looked it up on Ken Palm and they are not the luckiest team in the country according to his luck rating. They're actually ranked 20th, but they do rank third amongst major conference teams in luck. This team has been Bradley. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. This team has been Bradley, Toledo, Providence College, and Marquette University by combined eight points. This team is the luckiest team ever, man. They beat Marquette at the buzzer. They beat us at the buzzer. Well, oh my God. One, I didn't. One, I didn't even realize Ken Palm had that, which is really. Oh, cool. yeah, he's got a lock rating now. That's pretty cool. Um, but you could also say like, and I'm, I don't like Xavier either. I, I think, uh, you know, I don't. Whatever. I'm not a big you fan. Respect of them. I respect them. I respect them. I respect. I, I kind of do too. But. I respect their toughness. I respect the culture. Um, but you could also say like, you know, they're winning these tight games because 
Steele has taught them how to close out at the end of games. He has taught them how to win. And that's something like, and cool, you know, we talk about, we're really tough on Cooley, but like he has a really good record with games, five points or fewer. Yeah, he does. So that, that's a good, but like, they're not, they're making smart plays. And we saw that, whereas Bay being Xavier are making smart plays and Providence didn't tonight, today. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's just a frustrating thing in and of itself. Yeah, so um, so we're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we will preview the Marquette game. Um, it's a big game for both. So, you know, we'll kind of touch upon net rankings, which came out. Obviously, we haven't had an episode in a while. I apologize, but uh, our schedules have been a little crazy lately. But, um, yeah, so we'll have a quick word from Anger here and get you a Marquette preview. Welcome back to the Province Crier Podcast. So PC now sits at 7-5. Um, not ideal. Uh, luckily, you know, maybe the Butler loss is a bad loss, but that's the worst loss they have, and it's on the road. So, you know, hopefully th- that will do them favors. However, big stretch coming up here for PC. Um, they got to take care of business. Their next two games – um, we got Marquette on Tuesday for a 9 p.m. tip. Um, and then they'll uh, host Georgetown over the weekend. So critical time for the Friars BOC. And unfortunately for them, you're coming, you're going to Marquette, a place that has been a, pl- uh, a house of horrors for you in the past. Although recently they've, they've fared better. Um, Got to point that out. Cartwright game comes to mind. Um, but, uh, you're playing a a team in Marquette that scuffled lately, started out pretty good and they had this long COVID layoff. So like, honestly, the things coming together here kind of scare the shit out of me for this game. So, so, um, next two games are, it's just such a long season, even with COVID, you never want to say things are must wins, but the next two games are games we we should win in my opinion. So you're, you win the next two and then you have a tough stretch against Creighton, Creighton and Villanova. And then you play Marquette and Georgetown again. So um, we were talking offline here, those six games, if we, we probably need to get to, if we want to still contend for an NCAA tournament uh, four and two, four and two at worst. Um, And, and if, you know, However, we get there. If we could steal one from Creighton or Villanova, that'd be great. We'll see if we even play Villanova. And obviously, everything's so fluid with postponements and cancellations. So we'll see what happens there. But going back to Marquette, yeah, I mean, awful loss. It's a game we still should win. I think we're the much more talented team. They have a great freshman in Dawson Garcia, the transfer from Ohio State. Uh, Carton is leading the way for them in the backcourt. Um, but we have, we're the more experienced team, uh, we're the more talented team. Regardless, home or away, it's a game that we should win, in my opinion. And I think we're the tougher team, which goes a long way against Marquette. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think Marquette – Marquette's a kind of a weird team to, to tab right now because, you know, you look at them last year and the last couple of years, they relied so much on their offense um, with Marcus Howard and then when they had the Hauser twins, um, for better or for worse, right? Like they – put up some of these gaudy numbers, but then, you know, in the NCAA tournament, they got destroyed by John Morant and Murray State. I was at the game. It was awesome because I hate Marquette, by the way. I just want to throw that in too. 
Um, but uh, yeah, like interesting team because, you know, Dawson Garcia has been very good. Um, Carton, he's kind of been up and down. I mean, like in their last game, he has eight points on four of 12. He had a lot of hype coming into the season. Um, I feel like kudos to the crier. I kind of called this one. Uh, DJ Carton had a, like a few good games on ESPN for Ohio State and then weirdly transfers to Marquette midseason, quitting on his team, might I add. Uh, but, uh, you know, everyone thought Carton would just come in and just be awesome and be a top Big East player. And they really haven't gotten that from him. Their offense is pretty bad. Um, but they're a better defensive team. So it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I'm definitely concerned with some of those external factors here of them coming off a loss, having a long layoff. Um, you know, do they come out as the same team that they were before their layoff? Who knows? Um, but I would totally agree with you. We definitely have the better roster. Um, I really don't see anyone on Marquette stopping Nate Watson. I mean, expect, John. yeah, expect him to foul out, man. Like, yeah, yeah. like he's going to foul out so quickly. It's not even going to be funny. Um, but if you want to talk about officials, you know Woj is going to try and work those guys. So uh, expect to be in for another one. I, I know you think I keep crying about this, but. No, I'm actually, this one, I agree with you. I can't stand his um, sideline demeanor. I think, and I think it, it, um, it flows down and trickles down to his team too, where they whine and complain. Like he, he, in typical coach K fashion, he's such a complainer to the refs and it's, it's actually like, yeah, it's frustrating to watch his, you know, his demeanor on the court. Oh, he's brutal. I like, he's so like, you could tell he's from the coach K tree. Like coach K can get away with that stuff. Obviously he has the accolades. He has the resume. Coach Woj is a scrub dude. Like <laughs> I, I cannot stand the guy. And he works the refs like he's Beheim, uh, Coach K, Bill Self, Roy, like, like, like he's like this Hall of Fame coach. And he's not anything near that. Um, so, yeah, hopefully you're right that, you know, that trickles down for their players. Um, but, yeah, I, I think there is a point to be had with leave the, leave the crying to the crier and yeah. just play the game. So, you know, hopefully the Friars can, can do that and I'll just continue to bitch about the refs. But, um, but yeah, I think it's a tough game, but obviously I don't think they have an answer for Duke or Watson. So expect those guys to have another good game. Um, now it's a matter of can, can anyone else stop up? AJ Reeves has had some nice history in the Fizzera forum. So maybe that carries into something, you know, gives them some confidence going in there. But uh, they got to get other production. Hopefully, bombs back too. That's another thing. Got to think about that. Yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about that uh, really with um, the breakdown of Xavier, but I think he was missed. Obviously, he uh, while he while he hasn't been that consistent shooting, he's been a really nice presence uh, in the backcourt when it comes to setting up his teammates with assists. Um, and we clearly missed him. Um, just managing the game. And also, know? also, yeah, exactly. Like we just we just missed his you know, the veteran presence, it's hard to say because this is first year with Providence, but it's theoretically his third year in college. So um, we miss the veteran presence out there and hopefully he's good to go uh, against Marquette. With that said, I wouldn't rush him back just to have him back, get him fully healthy. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, you know how he got hurt, though, right? Gr- groin, right? It was a groin. I thought he rolled his ankle, but uh, there's a play. Zagorowski pushed off on him. Bynum gets called for the foul and uh, hurts his groin in the process. So, uh, again, I hate to do this, but, like, it is just so clear and obvious to me. It's driving me nuts. But, uh, yeah, hopefully they get Bynum back because um, – like we said earlier, we didn't give you a whole lot of much. Um, but again, tough spot for him to be thrown into the fire like that. Speak about thrown into the fire. Jair Davis was active for this game, and he doesn't get it. Not to go back to the Xavier game, but, you know, I would hope that we can maybe see him soon, see what he can do. I mean. Yeah, and this is the, this is the issue with um... – with COVID is there aren't like a lot of reporters watching practice or anything. So we don't know, like he had a concussion, right? I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't even know he was hurt to be honest. Until so like... we, yeah, he's been hurt all or has symptoms we'll say. Um, so we don't know if he's even practicing, right? Like we don't know if he's gone through the concussion protocol and I know he's active. So I'm assuming he's been practicing the past week, but like, has it been the past week? Has he been practicing all season? We just don't know that answer. So who knows when he's going to be back or if he, or if this year is like a quote unquote, like a red shirt because he's just not ready um it it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt to see what he has uh you know he's a big body could could be like uh in the diallo mold so who knows yeah it kind of just all right to me it's like gang gave you the 26 minutes that he did why not give breed five of those and see what he or excuse me give davis five of those and, and see what he can do um but We'll see. Crucial stretch for the fires coming up, but uh, anything else you got, BFC? No, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Tough, tough past couple losses. Hopefully they've learned from it. Um, you need to win the next two, and then I think Briartown will start to become cautiously optimistic again. So we'll have some articles out uh, previewing games and recapping the games. Um, there might also be some other recruiting stuff I'm going to put out about Friars recruiting uh, relative to the other Big East teams over the past couple of years. So I think that's important for, you know, recruiting is the lifeblood of any program. So there's, that should be out this week. But besides that, looking forward to uh, a quick turnaround against Marquette Tuesday night at what, 9 p.m., right? Yep. Um, and we also got Corey Floyd committing on the 14th. Um, we'll see. Doesn't look great. Um, but I don't know. Like the recruiting service has been kind of weird these days, I feel like. Uh, with COVID and everything, lack of, uh, excuse me, lack of uh, media availability. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if, if PC can land uh, a guy uh, whose dad played for, for the program in the 90s. Um, although UConn seems to be the favorite, I guess. Um, potentially, potentially staying in state at, uh, at Rutgers. I mean, I think, yeah, me personally, I think Rutgers is his biggest comp. Is our biggest competition, not UConn, to be honest. That coach, yeah. that coach is that coach is building a really, really yeah, good program there for sure. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I actually I don't have anything. I think I did have a few things when we were going to record earlier, but I'm just so like uh, fed up with the close losses, fed up with the zebras. Uh, but you'll be, that's you'll, we'll get through this together. Yeah, yeah, we're all in this together. That's right. Uh, all right, well, so that's it. Peace out, Firetown. Enjoy your day. Man up in my city, I'm the fruit, yeah.